Hello, you're listening to Sarah Jackman in conversation with Helen Davis, property litigation partner at law firm Brabners. Helen has joined me today to discuss the latest developments in the recovery of remaining commercial rent arrears accumulated during the pandemic. The government announced plans last week for a commercial rents coronavirus bill to be introduced to provide a legally binding arbitration process to resolve remaining commercial rent debts and a new code of practice to guide landlord and tenant practice in the interim. Helena, many thanks for joining me today. The announcement that we had last week from the government, I know it's been anticipated for several months now. Can you just explain for us a little bit about what the background is and and why we actually need this new legislative framework? Oh, thanks. Thanks, Sarah. And thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I suppose it starts in March 2020, uh, where transformational pandemic hit, hit the world. And of course, the practical impact of that on our businesses was the national lockdown and, of course, the use of physical premises, which 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 pretty much changed overnight. I remember speaking with you probably around that time and 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 the March quarter for 2020 when really an awful lot of people just stopped paying rent, probably a little bit in panic at the start um, with a desire to preserve cash flow. But the months and indeed years have gone by and that has left a bit of a commercial impasse in quite a lot of cases. So um, my understanding is that there is actually several billion pounds worth of, of commercial rent that is still owed. The government obviously reacted at the start with various bits of emergency legislation, which which you know we've we've talked about and dealt with um, as time has gone by, pretty much tying landlords' hands in relation to some remedies for uh, recovery of rent arrears, and and also you know to be fair across the market, many many landlords and tenants have worked through this period and have reached compromise agreements, which which again the government has been you know desperately urging them to do, and and they have indeed done it, but many also haven't. We have you know, large debts going to court with household name parties. Now some of them heading to the court of appeal where these, you know, the agreement hasn't been reached and they're just trying to bash this out. So it, it is a bit of a mess. And I think, you know, this was realised across the market. There's been lobbying from various sectors. And then April 2021, the government launched a call for evidence with a view to putting together basically the the legislation that that we're going to talk about now. So this this was published last week, 9th of November, the commercial rent coronavirus bill was introduced. The aim is that it gets passed before the 25th of March next year, 2022, which is when the current moratorium is due to end. Uh, I think that the the policy aim is stated to be to preserve otherwise viable businesses and the millions of jobs that they support, which is obviously commendable. And I think the quote is that it's uh, intended to be a simple and streamlined um, process, enabling cases to conclude rapidly and landlords and tenants to return to business as usual. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> there's a there's a new code of practice as well that goes alongside it. That is worth a read. It actually contains quite a lot of supporting information that helps to make sense of the bill. So, I mean, I would just say that the bill is not law yet. It still has to pass through the various stages. So it is it, it, it is subject to change. Okay. Let's start then with the the bill itself. I know that you've spent some time over the last few days looking through it in in its entirety. What does it propose? What's the detail? Okay, so the bill ring fences rent arrears for tenants that were forced to close during the pandemic. And it refers to these as protected rent debts. 
there's still a big push for negotiated agreements, but where parties cannot reach an agreement on how to deal with these protected rent debts, the bill establishes a binding arbitration system to determine what should happen to these debts. There are lots of definitions, I should warn you. Um, so arrears will be protected rent where a tenancy was. Um, I need to do inverted commas with my fingers, but we're it's audio only. So <laughs> adversely affected by coronavirus um, is, is, is the expression and that the rent relates to any part of the protected period. So um, the protected period is basically 21st of March 2020 and to a, a long stop date of 18th of July 2021, because I think that's when the last of the restrictions um, pretty much ended. But that is earlier if the tenants particular sector, if, if, if their restrictions ended earlier. So so that's that piece. And then we've got what is what is rent? Rent is rent service charge, insurance, rent and interest. So that's that's a bit clearer now. And um, then this concept of adversely affected by coronavirus. What does that mean? Well, that means that if during that time, March 2022, uh, July 2021, all or part of the tenant's business or premises were subject to a closure requirement imposed by regulations, so, so that's quite an interesting definition, really, and, and that, that probably does need a little bit of unpacking. So the fact that some businesses were able to carry out limited activities despite the obligation to close, that's probably irrelevant. So where you've got restaurants, for example, that were you know doing takeaway services, they are still going to qualify. So I think the intention is that the hospitality sector is going to be is going to be covered by this. But not all tenants are so essential retail so your supermarkets perhaps and also um, your farm pharmacies that were open throughout even though they have definitely suffered reduced footfall they will not be caught and that their rent won't be part of the system also the bill um, is not going to affect people that have already reached agreements so if there are already compromised agreements um, negotiated and reached they're not going to be affected they'll still be binding and it won't affect um, those tenants who have paid their rent already. So there may be some people kicking themselves. Um, OK, so that's so that, that's who it affects. And then what the arbitration does. Well, either parties, a landlord or tenant, can apply to arbitration. There's a period of six months from when the Act is passed, though that might be extended in due course. And the bill requires parties to make formal proposals in relation to the protected rent debts with supporting evidence. And the arbitrator then, there's three things he can do. He can dismiss an application at the outset if the arrears in question are not protected rent debts or not for the period of protection, or if the tenant's business is not viable or would not be viable even if the tenant is given relief from payment. So that's an interesting new definition that we, we, we can think about. Or the arbitrator can write off all or part of the debt and some or all of the interest. Or he can give the tenant time to pay some or all of the debt, including payment by instalments up to a maximum of 24 months. Um, so that, like, those are the arbitrator's powers. So we talked a little bit then about what the powers are. What are the types of things that the arbitrator is going to have to consider when he's looking at a case along these lines? Okay, so the considerations are actually set out in the bill and they really are supplemented quite a lot in the code. Um, importantly, we've got a new requirement, a, a new requirement now that the financial circumstances of both parties should be considered. So an arbitral award should either be aimed at preserving a viable business 
or if the business is not currently viable, restoring, preserving it to viability. That's for the tenant, but only to the extent that it's consistent with also preserving the landlord's solvency. So there's a default position that the tenant should be required to meet its obligations regarding the payment of the protected rent in full and without delay. And so the tenant will need to persuade the arbitrator why it needs help. And so basically there's a little bit of a, a battle as to who's the poorest, I suppose, between the parties. I think that the you know, the landlord is going to have to explain why its own circumstances across the piece are significant and it might have to explain why as as a business or you know it could be a private private landlord why the impact of non-payment is significant to it the tenant of course is going to have to put in quite a lot i think of um, financial supporting evidence and the, and the code actually sets out a whole host of examples that it can put forward so for example uh, there's an annex basically to the code that says um, existing and anticipated credit and debt balances business performance since march 2020 assets government assistance received including loans and grants dividend payments to shareholders refusal of lending loss of important contracts insolvency of major customer loss of key personnel so the tenant needs to tell a whole story about the problems that it's faced I think there was a couple of, of, of important bits to, to pull out. So the arbitrator, when considering the viability of the tenant's business, he's specifically required to disregard anything a party has done to manipulate, actually this applies to landlord and tenant, anything a party has done to manipulate their own financial affairs in order to improve their financial position in advance of the arbitrator's determination. For example, payment of excessive dividends. So any sort of financial manipulation that's to be disregarded. I mean, how an arbitrator is going to assess this um, will be interesting to, to discover. And another important thing, I think, is that a tenant is not expected to take on more debt or restructure its business in order to pay its rent. So um, it won't be an answer to say you can get a loan to pay this uh, tenant. It, it has to be based on, on where he's at now. And do you want to talk a, a little bit about the detail on protections? What, what sort of shape is that taking? Yeah, okay, so this is quite interesting actually. So we've obviously we've had the moratorium so far, but this new moratorium um is more extensive. So where applicable to these tenants for these uh, protected rent debts, the measures will actually have the effect of extending the restrictions that were due to be lifted on the 25th of March 2022. So now landlords cannot make a debt claim in court or use commercial rental risk recovery CRA or forfeit a lease for non-payment of rent, or another new one, they can't draw down on a tenant's deposit in relation to protected rent debts. So, so th this is actually qu quite a lot more extensive. It's the first time the government has imposed restrictions on issuing proceedings for rent arrears since the start of the pandemic. So going forward, landlords are going to need to consider whether rent arrears are protected rent debts before issuing proceedings. And there's also, so from now, basically, from the 10th of November, where a debt claim is made, if the claim relates to protected rent debt, either the landlord or tenant can request a stay of those proceedings and the court must grant a stay. And where judgment on a debt claim is given on or after the 10th of November, um, that then the debt and the debt remains unpaid, then that can be referred to arbitration. So despite judgment being given, uh, and the judgment can't be enforced before the end of the moratorium period. So some slightly odd outcomes there really, you know, in the short term, the bill, however, doesn't offer any guidance on proceedings that are already ongoing. I've seen already people saying that, 
you'd expect them to be stayed as well uh, in line with everything else but then I've also heard a bit of comment suggesting that if that was the intention why doesn't why doesn't it say so perhaps they're meant to be seen through to their conclusion so we don't know so there's something we don't know there but yeah quite a lot of um protections and also some restrictions in on in, i mean there's probably slightly outside the scope of this this conversation but the the insolvency side as well now extended to to, to bankruptcy uh so you, you basically a protect the a, a tenant who falls within the scope of this um is not going to be able to be declared bankrupt in the meantime either it was previously just the corporate insolvency that was caught okay so quite a lot of detail then that that's merged in the last week still some details to be determined um, in terms of who's going to be appointed to arbitrate the rent disputes uh, and clarity also just in terms of how long the whole process will take. In the interim, we've got the Code of Practice, um, which will govern landlord and tenant relationships. Are you able to give us your thoughts just, just in terms of how that looks versus the old code? Is there a substantive difference uh, we're not quite sure to the extent to which the arbitrator will be interested in whether parties have behaved in accordance with the code. I think there is quite clearly a general desire across the whole market for people to carry on negotiating but and, and to behave reasonably. But you've also got to put that in context of if, if we've got to this point and parties haven't reached agreement, is that really going to change? Uh, and in light of a, a potential new mechanism for dispute resolution perhaps parties are going to be quite keen just to send it off to a third party to sort it out so I'm not I'm not really quite sure whether there will be a, a sudden desire to negotiate harder <laughs> or, or or quite the opposite actually I mean really the whole thing as a piece is a bit of a hodgepodge of various different types of dispute resolution mechanisms it, it it does sort of stand out for the sort of things that we're used to in, in the property world as being a little bit unusual. So it wasn't necessarily in line with what you were anticipating? I didn't answer that question, did I? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I did I did answer my part of the questionnaire when we were asked to put forward what we thought would happen. I think one of the difficulties that I have with, with, with this as a concept is is that it doesn't it sort of represents an, an unusual foray by the government into commercial parties relationships so effectively that uh, I'm, I'm slightly over egging it perhaps but it does feel a bit of a question around the, the rule of law and uncertainty that you know we do pride ourselves on having well working within legal certainties and this is a potential waiver of historic rent it doesn't quite sit comfortably you know I have clients that are, are tenants who you know, over the last couple of years have really sort of, you know, done everything they can, struggled to pay their rent, but in, a, in an understanding and a belief that it was always going to be due and unavoidable. And actually, it turns out that that wasn't the case. And perhaps, you know, they, they shouldn't have done. And that feels like quite odd messaging. Obviously, it's done with the best of intentions. And of course, it is really important to keep businesses solvent. I think certainty is always a good thing. So I, I'm pleased we've got we've at least got a mechanism to work with now. And that that always helps when we're advising and it helps those in business, because at least the, we've got it's crystallised. There's, there's an element of damage limitation. So so that's all good. Yeah, I think that the binding arbitration is possibly not quite what I was expecting, but we shall we shall see. All right. And in terms then of the overall impact on the market, I mean, will this help to resolve the outstanding debt position, do you think? 
Yeah, it will. It will eventually. Although I, I don't think it's a, it's a, going to be a quick thing. It doesn't come into force for a while. We have a slightly bizarre period now where we're waiting for it to come into force, and we know it, something along these lines is obviously going to. We've got a, a better balance now, I think, because for the first time again, we've got landlords' financial situation is going to make a difference to the outcome. That's new. That hasn't been considered before. And we've also got a recognition that not tenant, all tenants have experienced the pandemic in the same way. So, you know, I think some tenants might get a shock, actually, that they are outside the scope of this. There has definitely been some big tenants who've exploited the situation over the last couple of years. I think that's going to have to stop because so far, the, well, I think it's fair to say that all the government intervention has been very tenant friendly and it's been completely broad, but it's been across the whole, uh, you know, the whole sector of commercial tenancies. And that's different now. It's designed now to protect those that need protecting rather than everybody. So I think people will stop playing the system a little bit and will have to be a bit more candid about their actual financial position. So that will probably help. Okay. And then I guess just one last question, just really to round off for anyone listening today who's affected by commercial rent arrears, either as a a landlord or a tenant. I mean, what's your advice to them? Is it really to continue to negotiate and, and to try and find solutions? It's got to be that because, I mean, the, the, this arbitration system is potentially problematic. And like anything, I'm, I always advise my clients to avoid any sort of third party um, determination if negotiation is possible, because, you know, you, you basically you're you're at risk of, of coming out badly. <laughs> so if you can negotiate it, you retain control and you retain certainty. I mean, say a couple of things around this arbitration. For example, it could be a a public hearing. It, that's one of the things that, that we, we have learned in the legislation that the drafts that's been published is that either party can ask for a, a hearing for this matter and that that hearing would be in public. Now, that's quite unusual for an arbitration. But in particular, if you need to put forward all your commercially sensitive financial information in order to persuade um, the arbitrator that you can't pay your rent, well, that might not be the best way for this to get resolved. So I suppose the fact that the um, that the arbitration could be heard in public is something that one of the parties could potentially use as leverage. And as with anything, um, you know, Sarah, the there's always there's always tactics with property litigation. So I can see that with the perhaps the timing of, of insolvency regimes, there's going to be and the period now until the until the bill comes into force, that there there is scope for parties to uh, to to have a bit of uh, game playing as they always will do. I think, you know, summary, it's probably going to be seen still as a bit of a giveaway for tenants. The extended moratoriums mean that there are going to be some landlords who are looking probably at, you know, at least two and a half years really where their hands have been tied for for rent collection, some circumstances. So I've managed to get to the end of this without actually using the word unprecedented. I'm quite pleased <laughs> I managed to do that. But yeah, <laughs> it's extraordinary. So it will be very interesting to see the analysis that follows and, and how this plays out. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking us through that today, Helena. It's very much appreciated and all eyes, I guess, on how this develops over the next few months. Oh, thanks so much. Nice to see you. You've been listening to Sarah Jackman in conversation with Helena Davis of law firm Bradners. 
For more information on commercial rent arrears recovery, see the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.